This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Impeachment. What impeachment? Trump hits the golf course. And what we've learned about Melania's new life. Then, the nurse who crawled out of the 100-car pileup. Then headed straight to work so she wouldn't miss her shift. Can I leave my car here and go hitch a ride? And there's a baby with her. The mom who fell through the ice with her daughter. Somebody is drowning in the river. A woman and a child. Then, Larry King's handwritten last will and testament revealed. Did he really cut out his estranged wife? This will is a slap in the face to Larry King's wife. And death by cannon fire. It may look like a toy, but it is not a toy. The horrific accident at a baby shower. Plus, the new vaccine central, your local pharmacy. How to book an appointment. Then, the other woman in the missing mom case. Grilled by cops. The new police interrogation tape. As her family insists, she doesn't know what happened to Jennifer. She might be the key to finding Jennifer Dulove. Now, Inside Edition with Deborah Norville. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us. Former President Trump's legal team was in the well of the Senate today, arguing why he should not be convicted in his historic second impeachment trial. Since Mr. Trump's been banned from Twitter, he can't use his usual method for expressing himself. Instead, on the eve of his defense, he went golfing. Now it's Trump's turn. After two days of getting hammered at the impeachment trial, Trump's defense turned into an epic troll of Democrats. Mr. Trump's words are no different than the figurative speech used by every one of the senators assembled here today. We'll fight to fight fighting hard. The former president's lawyers played a lineup of videos showing Democratic leaders, including former President Biden and Kamala Harris, using the word fight in speeches and interviews. Continue the fight. It's about fighting. We know how to fight. But this is a fight. And continue to fight. Never, never, never give up this fight. The attorneys accused the Democrats of being hypocrites and condemning Trump's use of the same word. We fight like hell. Hypocrisy. The reality is Mr. Trump was not in any way, shape or form instructing these people to fight or to use physical violence. The immediate reaction to the presentation was mixed. Not the most constitutionally sophisticated argument. We landed a couple of haymakers today. The main thrust of the argument, I think, is beginning to resonate. Parts of it were misleading, for sure. Honestly, I think it's a silly argument. A final vote on whether to convict or acquit could take place Saturday, which would make it the fastest impeachment trial in U.S. history. 
This morning, President Biden commented on the ongoing proceedings for the first time. Just anxious to see whether our, what my Republican friends do with stand up. In the wake of the Capitol riots, Trump's former ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, is denouncing her ex-boss. We need to acknowledge he let us down, she told Politico. He went down a path he shouldn't have, and we shouldn't have followed him, and we shouldn't have listened to him, and we can't let that ever happen again. Haley is believed to have her eye on the presidency story. in 2024. Trump stepped away from the TV and was spotted at his West Palm Beach golf course yesterday, his first outing since the start of the trial. Meanwhile, we're also getting our first information into former First Lady Melania's life at Mar-a-Lago. Her day reportedly consists of going to the spa, enjoying lunch, going to the spa again, dinner with Trump on the patio, rinse and repeat every day. A new poll from ABC News found 56% of Americans believe the former president should be convicted and barred from holding office again. She was one of the scores of people trapped in the wreckage of that massive pileup in Fort Worth we told you about that left six people dead. Only this woman was a nurse, and when she managed to crawl from the wreckage of her car, she went straight to work. Harrowing stories of survival are coming to light in the wake of that deadly 100-car pileup. Nurse Rebecca Benson was on her way to her hospital shift when she hit the ice and couldn't stop. She slammed into this Coca-Cola truck. This is the view from her shattered windshield. You can hear semi after semi after semi hitting the group of cars. Nurse Becky's doors were blocked, but she managed to climb out of the back of her car. So what did she do next? She hitched a ride and made it to work in time for the start of her shift. I did a half a shift. My husband was like, uh, no, ma'am, we need to get to the hospital. She's fine, except for some soreness. And then there's this tender moment when a dog is plucked out of the wreckage and carried off to safety. Just one of the many miracles on I-35. The fact that I am not severely injured or dead is nothing short of a miracle. It is a miracle. Now on to a nail-biting rescue to save a mother and her two-year-old daughter who fell through the ice while they were walking on a frozen river. The mother clung to her daughter with all of her strength, and rescuers say they got there just in time. Stephen Fabian has more. A mom and her two-year-old daughter have fallen through the ice. A panicked witness calls 911. 911, where is your emergency? Somebody is drowning in the river. Are they by the edge or they're out in the middle? In the middle, in the middle. A woman and a child. Please hurry up. The frightening ordeal happened here on New Jersey's Passaic River. The 38-year-old mom and her daughter went out on the ice to take pictures of the geese, except it was a sunny 40-degree day, and some of that ice had turned to slush. Police Chief Michael Feligno responded to the call. The challenge was figuring out how he could get to them. A gentleman from the gas station had a little plastic red kayak here. So I, I said, let me see if I can use this to get out to them. I, I have to improvise, otherwise I'm going to witness two people die right in front of me. Using his hands, he clawed his way in the kayak through the icy slush and pulled the toddler and woman one by one onto the boat. She just kept screaming the whole time, we're going to die, we're going to die. I kept telling her, no, we're not going to die. I got you. I got you. Calm down. Stay calm. The child was not super responsive. She was very lethargic. I'm assuming from the cold of the water. So I took off my jacket, this one I have on, and I, I wrapped it around her 
and then I tried to put some body heat on her, so I kind of laid my chest on her to, to warm her up, and she started responding, started, you know, opening her eyes, and, and at one point she started to cry, and I, I knew that was a good sign. This cell phone video shows the chief, mom, and daughter being dragged to shore on the kayak. There's the chief trying to keep the little girl warm. First responders rush to cover them. And here are mom and daughter today when they stop by the police department to say thank you. Scary stuff. The police department said they're grateful to the people who helped instead of recording what was going on on their cell phones. Other news today, we're getting a look at the will left behind by legendary broadcaster Larry King in his own handwriting. And the will is getting a lot of attention, not only for who Mr. King left money to, but also who was left out. Larry King's wife of 22 years is left out of his will. Look, Larry's scrawled handwritten note calls for 100% of his funds to be divided equally among his five children. Sean King's name is nowhere to be found. This will is a slap in the face to Larry King's wife. The will is dated October 2019, two months after he filed for divorce. Attorney Royal Oak says this could turn into a messy legal battle. Larry King's wife could say, hey, it's kind of fishy. I was, after all, his wife. Let's figure out whether or not he was of sound mind. You could see a court fight. Another item raising eyebrows, the will appears hastily written with the number 20% crossed out and replaced with 100%. Can a handwritten will even hold up? A handwritten will is totally legal as long as it's completely in your handwriting, as long as you've dated it, and there's no evidence of any coercion. There's also this shocker. The legendary broadcaster's wealth is listed as a mere $2 million. That's big money for most folks, but a huge surprise considering Larry King made millions of dollars during his legendary 63 years in show business. It's hard to believe he wasn't worth more than $2 million. Last year, his Beverly Hills mansion, which is now being renovated, sold for $15.5 million. Earlier, when Larry gave me a personal tour of his estate, he showed me millions of dollars worth of memorabilia. This is Kobe sneakers. Sinatra painted that. Really? Yeah. Frank Sinatra painted that? Yeah. Much of Larry King's wealth may have been in trusts as opposed to a house or cash. Sadly, two of Larry's children named in his will, Andy King and Shia King, have died since the will was written. King's estranged wife says at the private funeral, everyone wore suspenders in tribute to Larry's signature look. Turning now to the coronavirus, it is a struggle these days to schedule an appointment for a vaccine, but it may soon get easier if there's a big enough supply. As Amber Cagliano reports, 21 drugstore chains around the country are now authorized to administer the COVID vaccine. 64-year-old Marcella Thompson becomes the first person vaccinated against COVID at a pharmacy, live on network TV. It happened at a Walgreens in Durham, North Carolina. Vaccinations are available at 6,500 pharmacies across America starting today. About a million doses have been distributed to major pharmacy chains like CVS and Walgreens. You can't just walk in, though. You have to make an appointment, and many stores are already fully Booked. The growing availability of vaccines comes as the UK super strain is sweeping through U.S. Congress.
colleges. The universities of Michigan, Texas at Austin, Tulane, UC Berkeley and Portland are among those struggling with outbreaks of the variant. Julia Doria, a junior at the University of Texas, told me she's no longer going to in-person classes. A lot of people have opted out of doing that, have opted out of um, exposing themselves in unnecessary ways now that we know that the variant's here. And this was the scene in New Orleans as the French Quarter was shut down. That's right, shut down until after Mardi Gras next Tuesday. One restaurant owner even hung out white flags, symbols of surrender. Last year's Mardi Gras celebration was one of the biggest super spreaders of the pandemic. A single reveler is said to have infected 50,000 people. While the French Quarter is shutting down, restaurants in New York and Los Angeles are reopening just in time for Valentine's Day. New York's Benjamin Prime restaurant served meals indoors today for the first time in two months. I'd like to believe that this is the light at the end of the tunnel. Max Simon, owner of Thayer Restaurant in L.A., along with his girlfriend Sophie Topperoff, are expecting a Valentine's Day bonanza. We have eight feet of distance apart on the tables to ensure social distancing and that our guests are safe and there are even cocktails that say <laughs> oh, love I love you cheers I love you Love is alive. By the way, it's estimated 1.6 million people a day are being vaccinated in this country, which is beyond President Biden's goal of a million and a half. Now a baffling murder case that made national news. A mother of five went missing. Her developer husband is charged, but he killed himself before going on trial. Now we're seeing police interrogation video of the other woman in the case as she's grilled by cops trying to find out what she knew. This woman is at the center of a murder case that has riveted the nation. Now 48 hours has obtained police interrogation video of Michelle Traconis, the girlfriend of murder suspect Fotis Dulos. We think you have information. Connecticut mom Jennifer Dulos disappeared in May 2019 after dropping her five kids at school. She is presumed slain. Surveillance video showed her estranged husband the day she disappeared, dumping items which cops say were stained with his wife's blood. His girlfriend was allegedly with him in his vehicle. The husband, Fotis Dulos, was arrested last January for the murder. His girlfriend was charged with conspiracy. I have no idea. What happened to Jennifer? I have no idea where Jennifer is. Dulos killed himself by inhaling exhaust fumes in his garage on the day he had a scheduled court hearing. Photos Dulos was rushed to the hospital after an apparent suicide attempt at his home. When Dulos died, he left a suicide note claiming his accused girlfriend was innocent. She has pleaded not guilty. Erin Moriarty is the 48 Hours correspondent. Authorities believe she might be the key to finding Jennifer Dulos, so they are pursuing these charges. Her father and her sisters are now breaking their silence, speaking to 48 Hours. It's been devastating because we know my sister is innocent. Sometimes women do ridiculous things for not love. My sister. That's not Michelle. Other women, but not Michelle my sister. will never harm anybody. As Michelle Draconis's lawyer says, she's left holding the bag. She's facing the possibility of years in prison for something they say she didn't do. Jennifer Dulo's body has never been found. The 48 hour special about her disappearance airs Saturday night on CBS. Next, death by cannon fire.
It may look like a toy, but it is not a toy. The horrific accident at a baby shower and Justin Timberlake's apology. His deeply personal message to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson. Inside Edition with Deborah Norville will be right back. It should have been a joyous event, celebrating a new baby. Instead, the baby shower ended in disaster when a mini cannon was set off during the party. Restaurant reports shrapnel hit a man and killed him. This may look like a toy, but it's not. It's called a signal cannon. These mini cannons are used in ceremonies or to start races. They make a loud noise and create big smoke, but that's supposed to be it. But this 26-year-old man was killed last week when a signal cannon was set off during, of all things, a baby shower. County Prosecutor David Layton. There may have been an excessive amount of gunpowder in it. It just totally exploded and the shrapnel went flying. Evan Silva was 15 feet away when he was struck in the chest at the baby shower. The homeowner told police he had set off the signal cannon several times before without incident. Explosives expert Ryan Morris says in his opinion, if the cannon was overloaded with gunpowder, it would be like creating an explosive device. People are not using them properly. They're overloading them. We asked Morris to recreate the conditions that may have led to the deadly blast. We have a trip wire that's going to, how, how long is this wire going to be? 300 feet or more. 300 feet or more. It's going to be up to the top of that hill. We're going to be up there. Here goes. That's unbelievable. Parts everywhere. Look at that. Wow. It's clear how dangerous a blast like this can be. Prosecutors have not decided if anyone will be charged. They're investigating to determine if it was reckless endangerment or just a horrible accident. And when we come back, Justin Timberlake says he's sorry to Britney Spears. It's an apology from Justin Timberlake. I'm sorry. That's what Justin Timberlake is saying to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson. I specifically want to apologize to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson, both individually, because I care for and respect these women, and I know I failed, he writes. Timberlake has recently come under fire from Britney fans for what they say were sexist and misogynistic behavior after their breakup in 2002. The two met as kids on the Mickey Mouse Club, and as they grew into pop sensations, their romance blossomed. Their relationship is highlighted in the New York Times documentary Framing Britney Spears, which explores Britney's conservatorship that she has been under since 2008. As for Janet Jackson, Timberlake has never apologized for the infamous wardrobe malfunction during the Super Bowl halftime show in 2004 until now. I know this apology is a first step and doesn't absolve the past. I can do better and will do better. When we come back, a snow day like no other. Check this out. You just gotta get her going. It's a laugh fest as great grandparents go sledding. When Granny won't budge, she rolls with it. Leading to even more hilarity. Nice to end with some laughter. We'll see you next time. If you like Inside Edition, 
You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.